0: Hey folks, in today's episode I'm going to talk about creating guilds and organizations within your D&D campaign. Hey folks, today's episode I want to talk about incorporating guilds and organizations into your D&D campaign. We know that there are many different guilds that can be interjected in a story. You can even talk about having a guild hall be the main location and the main story of your campaign. Personally, I love sending players to different guilds to learn more about the world. The reason why I think guilds and organizations are important in Dungeons and Dragons is because it allows your players to inject themselves even deeper into the world. When you have a guild for blacksmiths, it allows the players that want to be blacksmiths an opportunity to have a community that's deeper within the Dungeons and Dragons world, even if they're communicating and having community with NPCs. It doesn't mean that the emotions and the friendships aren't real. It's just with NPCs that the DM is acting out. But what I don't hear often is how to actually incorporate these organizations, guilds, and these type of Uh, societies into your Dungeons and Dragons campaign. I hear a lot of people talking about, you know, perhaps thieves guilds and these kind of specific guilds, again, thieves guild as an example, and what they do and how to utilize them sometimes, but I don't often hear how to actually create a guild and to use it in your campaign. So with all that being said, let's go into some of the things that people have spoken about. So Matt Colville, who is an amazing content creator, an amazing writer. And if you haven't seen his YouTube series, it is fantastic. It is something that I've loved. I've always loved. And I think everyone, whether you are an amateur at playing Dungeons and Dragons or if you're a veteran his series running the game is fantastic and Matt Colville came out with a book called Strongholds and Followers and Strongholds and Followers when it was developed it was to essentially show DMs, show players based upon their role the types of organizations guilds and followers um, that one could have when they build a stronghold I love that idea I love that someone finally put that into writing but with all that being said before there was that development what I typically did is that I I followed something similar to what Matt Colville did I followed uh, a principle that basically said okay if if the player, depending on their class and their race, they would have these options that I built into the world. So, for example, if they were clerics and they were of the dwarven race, they had a special ability to essentially go to any uh, dwarven uh, temple and they would essentially have a free place to stay. For them and their party just because um, the world that I have built they have that connection the dwarves have that familiarity between their kin so any dwarf can essentially um, use this type of free admittance if they're a dwarf cleric so I used that type of system and it was again all of this was homebrewed and they were just notes that I put together and then maybe structured a little bit more as time progressed. But something that I really wanna point through is when you're creating a guild or an organization, you gotta let your players know what the benefit of it is. I noticed that, again, we talk a lot about what types of guilds that are available for the party to interact with, but we don't talk about why they should, we don't talk about how they should Create one and why they should. There's no investment there. There's no investment for the DM or the player to even get involved in this type of uh, thought process. And that's kind of sad. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. So, first and foremost, a guild, according to just Google, is an association uh, of people for mutual aid or the pursuit of a common goal. And a guild is similar to an adventuring party where the group of individuals are pursuing a goal together. So, with that being said, the guild in your world can have the benefits of providing the party with additional role-play opportunities, right? That's always great. That's always... um, It's going to be building the story. It's going to be contributing to the story. And it's going to be... Interacting, Or rather, it's going to give the players an opportunity to interact with the DM. So, or at least from a roleplay perspective. It also allows the party to receive cool items and benefits. What do I mean by this? I think that as a DM, if you perhaps um, have a player that is involved with the Merchant Guild, that you should give them influence or advantage on certain... Uh, maybe persuasion roles, certain things that that deals with the merchant guild because your player is a member of that. I wholeheartedly think there that's the benefit, right? You know that's the incentive of why they your players would say, I want to create a guild or I want to be a part of a guild. It's because there are some for, some quote unquote monetary or um, some other form of benefit that's related to the world just like in our world when we say oh we're going to join this email subscription or we're going to join we're going to be a a patron for this page a patron for this patreon page there's got to be a benefit right we got to provide a value so by providing a value just like we would in the real world your players might be more susceptible to engaging with that uh, guild or organization um I also think that these organizations and these guilds can become um a place where you can have a side quest or a downtime activity that builds up the player. So in Skyrim, you know, very popular game, which again, if you don't know it, Skyrim's an awesome RPG-style game um, for pretty much every system out there, but Skyrim allows you to have so many side quests that you pretty much can play the game just playing side quests, and play the main campaign pretty much later on, you, you don't, there's not a hard focus on it, from my experience, just like the game Kingdoms of Amulor, Kingdoms of Amulor is actually one of my favorite games uh, for the PS3, where it has so many side quests, built into the game that you can literally just play you could put 40 50 hours just into two three side quests maybe um it's it's pretty in depth but what i when i say this i think that this allows you to one create side quests that build up other parts of the region or the world from a storytelling aspect it also allows you to have the opportunity to build up your characters and to build up the party members. Let's say that your party is traveling and, you know what, you're gonna put them on a downtime type activity because they haven't had one in a while. You know, the organization or the guild can be the one that presents that opportunity. Again, it's just a way for players to level up, to explore their own characters, to explore their the world even more. It's just, it's all around good for exploration and good for development. And finally, one of the things I really find as a benefit is the storyline adventure part of it. So a storyline, I'm talking about the main part of the campaign. So whatever you are doing as part of the main campaign, that's where there's the benefit. But from a DM perspective, so from the Game Master, Dungeon Master perspective... You know, using guilds and allowing players to create, you know, companies or organizations or anything like that, it actually gives you a break from writing material for the main adventure or your main story. Um, It allows them to collaborate in the world and allows you um, to be able to kind of take a seat back and let your players take charge. They are going to appreciate that because they're not going to see you as the you know, rule uh, game master who just pretty much just does whatever they want to do and doesn't let the players decide or the players have any type of role in creating. A lot of, you know, I've dealt with um, very few DMs like that, thankfully. So it, you know, by giving them the ability to, to, to create and to do this, you're actually letting them collaborate with you and you're letting them Um, you know, they're actually, you're letting them take the wheel and feel empowered. Um, one thing also, you can present a lot of challenges that the players might not have faced if they didn't write the material. So for example, my player right now, he is on a quest to find his sister and to pretty much reunite. But I threw in an encounter and a challenge of this burnt-up village that has traces of his sister. Now, the challenge is the fact that I presented a moral dilemma where now the player is thinking, was my sister involved in this burning of this village? So that, that challenge now... Has caused him to, you know, proactively engage and to kind of do some detective work. So again, it's giving me a reason to have a little bit of deeper role play with my with the players, and it's giving me the ability to even dedicate a specific session to role play. Again, role play, remember, is part partly what it's actually mainly what builds the world. Um, with your players, combat allows you to execute certain actions and solidify certain directions. So again, role play builds the world and uh, and, uh, combat encounters um, solidify actions and solidify directions. That's, you know, obviously that's my opinion, but I feel very strongly about that. Um, From a player perspective, I think players, you know, me personally, I love to build That's how I like to storytell and that's how I like to contribute to my world is by building things. Um, On the podcast, Behold the D&D podcast, I am playing a, and again, if you haven't heard Behold the D&D podcast, Behold the D&D podcast, we are playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition, um, but it's set in the Star Wars universe. So I am playing a um, force user. A force wielder who essentially has created alongside you know, my character, his name's Hal, has created a sect of force u- users that are neither Sith nor Jedi, and they are just guardians of the Force. They're the they're the they they protect um, the teachings of the Force and they live by the teachings of the Force. But again, it's neutral. So that's how, In you know, my DM Sam gave me 100% free rights to build whatever I wanted to build because, again, it's a homebrew. So it gave me the ability to create the temple and to create the order, so on and so forth. And to create, you know, kind of uh, mythical or special items that... My DM, and again, I know that my DM Sam is going to use in the game for whatever purpose that he wants to. But as a player, having that ability to create and to co create with my uh, DM has been something that's been really great. Uh, personally, I do see that there's excitement in the players. I get excited as a player, I, I've seen my players get excited. When they enter into their own guild hall, realizing that they can, you know, that they run the place and that there's a certain sense of pride and responsibility because I role play uh, different guild members trying to get discounts on items or jobs or whatever and essentially allowing them to really take ownership. If And again, my, my big thesis in everything I do with Dungeons and Dragons is letting your players take ownership of their roles and responsibilities within the game and having fun with it and building the individual up. So again, that's why I think this is a great way to build people up. And this is how you do it. Now, with all that being said, if you've decided to move forward with this type of format, right? If you want to say, okay, Brian, I hear you. I think... I agree with you, but I don't know how to add that into my game. This is what I recommend. First and foremost, ask your players if they are interested. You're going to want to ask them if they're interested, you know, based upon their class or if they're interested in just building something altogether different and new. Your players are, can make that decision and you can essentially just facilitate the rules to it. You can also identify any type of guilds, companies, organizations, adventuring groups or whatever that you've created and show that to your players by introducing them to the NPCs associated with the um, guild or with that, you know, group and maybe that will give them a little bit of interest in the world and say, okay, you know what? I want to check this out a little bit more. I want to see who, it, you know, who are the key players of this and then just be, you know, and, you know, just be curious about it. Um, I What I've done is that if if and when the players are looking for money and gold, they know that they have to go to a guild hall in order to sign up for, a, you know, to take a quest and go from there. Now, again, the incentive that I laid down is that, If they're not part of a certain adventuring party or guild, then they're going to have their fees that are taken that the guild hall takes is more than if they joined a guild because, you know, they get certain discounts and whatnot. So that's how I put the incentive is I have I've created certain adventuring guilds and I basically say to my party, hey, these are the rules of the world. If you're adventuring and looking for coin, it's better, it's recommended to be part of a guild or an organization or whatever to get gold. If you're a cleric and you want, you know, free stay at temples and the ability to, you know, you, you know, as clerics to essentially get the items that you need as a cleric for a really big discount. You might want to be associated with that god and go to their temples frequently. Let's say you're a bard or you're a rogue and you want to find out information. They're, they're, the incentive in there is to say, hey, you know, talk to the people in the bar. Talk to the people. Start a rumor in the tavern and start getting information that way because I'm going to role play you know, essentially, hey, you're getting information, you're trying to start a rumor, it's going to be rewarded. So as a DM, again, you can, you know, when you ask your players and when they talk to you and they show interest, if there's anything that you've already created, show them, hey, this is what's going to, um, you know, this is what it's going to be about and this is what I'm looking into and this is how we're going to execute on it. Um, Lastly, if your players are, you know, they move forward. They say, hey, you know what, uh, GM or DM, whatever you like to be called. We want to go forward. We want to um, start a guild. Or we want to start an organization centered around this. Then um, basically talk to them and say, okay, when you design it, just keep these things in mind. Just talk about, just ask them, hey, who... Um, so, you guys are the ones that are establishing it. Cool. Um, who, who does what? And, you know, all these different... You can ask all the questions either off the, you know, like out of session. You could kind of ask those logistics. Or you can actually make it into a great role-playing opportunity where, you know, the, the party has to officially register with the government that they're an adventuring party and essentially kind of role play that you're the magistrate who is asking them, you know, oh, who established this? What do you all do? What is the purpose? So on and so forth. And kind of make it almost where um, you're getting your answers by simply role playing with them. And that actually, again, goes back to creating an opportunity where your players are going to interject themselves in the world and feel part of the world. So as a quick wrap up, Remember, if you're wanting to start, you know, if you're wanting to create a guild, an organization in D&D, you totally should do it. There's great benefits to it. You know, there's a lot of story that can come out of it. There's a lot of opportunity for players to grow individually and as a group. But remember, show them the value of it. Give them an incentive of why they should create it. And when they create it, give them, you know, the reins to create it, let them create it. Obviously talk to them and let them know what to expect, but give them the freedom to create it and ask them the questions, you know, interact with them, get really enthused about what they're um, creating. That's going to go a long way. I hope you all enjoyed this episode and until next time, keep gaming.